time for re-engineering your finances with the founder of CP Weldy Group, Charles Weldy. Time for another great edition of Re-Engineering Your Finances. Got a great podcast on tap for you today. Walter Storholt here alongside Charles Weldy, founder of CP Weldy Group. Charles, what's going on in your world? Uh, Walter, not too much. It's late October and, uh, you know, Halloween's coming up and, you know, tax season will be around the corner. So I don't know. I mean, you know, things are going good, but time is, is uh, waits for no one. Are you a uh, are you a big Halloween guy? Do you like the, the Halloween holiday? Yeah, but I got two grandchildren now, my first two, and uh, you know we'll probably go over there and you know hang there for maybe a couple hours. But uh, I'm not yeah. a big Halloween guy. As a yeah. matter of fact, uh, I come from a family of thirteen. I had ten brothers and sisters, and you know that used to be great when we were young. But uh, obviously, as you get older, you know less and less uh, emphasis on Halloween. Oh wow! I didn't know that about you about the humongous family that you came from. Yeah. Oh yeah. I had one brother allegedly. He went out and he robbed people of their trick or treat bags, and we always wondered why he had more than we did. And he went out later, and then we found out like twenty years later. He he was just good at trading, you know the the trading exactly. that happens with the candy afterward. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what was your go to candy as a kid? Was there one that you were always trying to hoard or trade for? I always liked Kit Kats, you know, when I was a kid. Okay, yeah. yeah, definitely a staple of Halloween for sure. I made out like a bandit in Halloween because I didn't like candy. As funny as that sounds, I, I now I like chocolate candy, but not like any other type of candy. And I really liked special dark chocolate, Hershey special dark. So that's all oh, I yeah. would that's all I would trade for. So I'd give everything I've got just to get, you know, special dark. And nobody wanted their special dark. So I always got it cheap, you know. So was, <laughs> everybody was trying to get rid of those. So I could get all of their special darks for just one or two, you know, lollipops or something like that. So it always worked out really nicely for me. And then like most kids, you know, get completely sick on how much candy you then ate after that. But. Yeah, but at least you had the dark chocolate, and I guess, uh, you know, you didn't even know it was good for you. Yeah, right antioxidants and all that kind of stuff. Somewhat stuff. somewhat balanced out the sugar, maybe. <laughs> well, by the time folks are listening to uh, today's episode, uh, Halloween is in the rearview mirror for them, but hopefully we jog a couple of good memories and uh, people got to interact with their kids or grandkids and enjoying the holiday as we now turn our attention forward to uh, the other fun holidays that happen this time of year, Thanksgiving and Christmas and the like, all coming up now around the corner. Well, let's get into today's topic, Charles. Uh, People probably saw we're talking about the constants on today's show, the retirement constants that affect everyone. Just like every year, we can expect the same holidays to kind of come around and know what to expect. There are things in the financial world that are going to be kind of the same for everybody. No matter the specifics of your situation, there are these retirement constants. And so they really make up sort of the bedrock of financial planning. And so we're going to dive into those pieces of the puzzle on today's show. So let's start with inflation. Charles, no matter how much money you make, uh, no matter how much money you keep when it comes to taxes and all those kinds of things, inflation's there for all of us. A hundred percent impact rate when it comes to inflation, right? Absolutely. So, you know, as a planner, we always put in 3% per year annual increase. It doesn't happen historically every year like that, but the trend line inflation is 3% per year. I remember my first car, I might be dating myself, well, excuse me, my first house, I might be dating myself, but in 1978, I bought my first house, it was $43,000. Wow. And uh, what is it now? Like in 2011 or 2012, I bought my last car and that was 43000 So the bottom line is inflation, you know, will, you know, increase each and every year and we had to account for it. 
what I generally do as a planner is, you know, I, I segregate assets into three groups, cash, maybe some fixed income and maybe some stocks. And for the most part, you know, cash will get 1%, you know, it could get two or three, but today 1% is probably a good proxy. Fixed income could get three, good fixed income. It can get higher if, you, if you're uh, not really that interested in quality, uh, you take more risk, you probably get a little bit more interest on fixed income. And stocks, you know, 6% is my proxy for stocks. So how does that affect inflation? Well, that means that any return you get at the bank, yeah, your principal will be safe, but your purchasing power may not be because if inflation's three and you're getting one, you lost 2% of your purchasing power. Fixed income, 3% inflation, 3% rate of return, you're keeping abreast with inflation. And stocks at 6% with inflation at three, you're staying ahead of inflation. So again, you know, when you factor in inflation into planning, you got to make sure that the assets that you're invested in are going to either keep up with inflation or exceed inflation over the long term. It's a great point, Charles. And I remember some of the uh, stories that I've heard from talking with advisors all across the country over the past several years, hosting radio shows and podcasts. I've heard stories before of reviewing financial plans where the couple or the individual had maybe been working with a different advisor or someone who was calling themselves an advisor who maybe really wasn't an actual financial advisor. But in any event, when they were reviewing the plans, they found several examples of plans that have been put together that assumed no inflation or maybe only 1% inflation. And it made the plan look really good. Like the people thought they were sitting pretty and and in a really good position. But upon review and, and putting in a more realistic inflation number, it has a huge impact. It really changed the perspective. And uh, it, it was a big glaring mistake. I don't know if you've ever encountered that when reviewing a plan to see if somebody's been way off on estimating inflation and, and the kind of change that that caused in the plan. Well, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because most people that come in here for plans or to look at our services, most of them don't have a date, dollar specific written plan. So to be honest with you, I've never really seen many written plans, let alone plans without inflation. In it. But that ah. to me would be a big missing, not factoring in for inflation, because every year, everything you need is going to cost more. That's another great point, Charles. All right. I know that you're the tax master. We always talk about taxes here on the show, and that's one of those retirement constants as well. But I'm going to throw a, a small caveat into the equation a little bit. I'm going to say that it's a, re a retirement constant for rising taxes, not just taxes in general, but rising taxes will actually be a retirement constant going forward. Well, I agree with you. Rising taxes, you know, obviously we have a big deficit and we have a math problem. So the only way they're going to actually correct that or, you know, delve into that is to raise taxes on the middle class who pay the bulk of the tax rates. But the one thing that I really want to emphasize is that the seven different tax rates, we have a progressive tax rate system. And there's seven different rates. Well, 10% is still going to be 10 going forward, but the 12 is going to go back to 15. The 22 is going to go up to 25. The 24 is going to go up to 28. And that's if they don't even raise taxes above what they're going to do in 2026. So, you know, really just to like um, make a point here, doesn't it make sense to perhaps pay taxes today at historically low rates, get rid of that liability, and then have the rest of our money growing tax-free for the future? I think it does. And if you do the math, 
there's other people that mentioned that your the same amount of money might last three to five years longer just because you took care of the tax situation. Yeah. If anybody's interested in learning more about taxes, I invite you to go back just one episode. We talked an entire episode about saving money on taxes, and Charles shared with us a story about how he saved a couple, a lot of money a couple of years ago on taxes, and then we did a hypothetical situation kind of illustrating just how much you can save with proper tax planning and aiming for that 0% tax bracket in retirement. Go check out the previous episode of the show and uh, if you want to learn a little bit more about taxes and the impact there. A little shameless self-promotion of a previous episode there, Charles. Also want to throw into this. Yeah, absolutely. Also want to throw into this conversation of retirement constants, market volatility. We know it's going to be a volatile market, not just in the short term, but in the long term. It always goes up and down, and that's just a fact of life we've got to come to grips with. Yeah, well, market volatility, when you really analyze it, I mean, volatility is the price you pay for the premium return. So there's no volatility at the bank because basically it's less than cash. With good fixed income, there's very little volatility because it's short term high quality. It's generally just with stocks that you have that, you know, uh, volatility where, hey, you can make as much as 30%, you can lose as much as 30% and anywhere else in between. Well, volatility becomes less of an issue when you really sit down and say to yourself, how much money do I have? When will it be needed? And how will it be deployed? And that's really the basis for a financial plan. Instead of having one portfolio, X amount in stocks, X amount in bonds, you might have three different portfolios. You might have money in the bank that's just there in case of an emergency or planned expenses. You'll have money that you might need to pull out over the next 10 to 12 years to supplement your lifestyle. And then the later money can be in the market where hopefully if history's any God, it's going to grow. And the bottom line is you don't have to worry about market volatility if you have enough years worth of income in that middle bucket. So just to kind of summarize, if I needed $1,000 a month for the next 10 years, I would have $1,000 a month times 12 months is $12,000 for one year times 10 is $120,000 in that middle bucket. I might factor in, I don't know, 25% of that, which one fourth of 120 is uh, 30 grand. I might put $150,000 of my portfolio in that middle bucket to provide me with $1,000 a year for 10 to 12 years, compounded at 3% a year. And in year two or five or seven or nine, when the market is down 30% temporarily or up, whatever, I'm not worried about that volatility. Why? Because I already plan for 10 to 12 years worth of income. So volatility is really the price you pay for that premium return in that later bucket. We're talking about these retirement constants that affect everybody. Of course, there's a flip side to this, talking about the variables, the things that are different for everybody. But we're going to keep today's conversation focused on just these things that all impact us the same. We've seen that with the volatility. We were talking about rising taxes and inflation. Something else that we can kind of lump in here is health care. Everybody needs a plan for health care. Don't care who you are, Charles. There's going to be some measure of need. Sure, the amount of need may be different, but some measure of need for health care and coverage is going to exist for pretty much every client. Well, you know, today, a lot of financial planning firms are embracing like a Medicare specialist, someone who knows the rules of Medicare inside out. 
there's Medicare Advantage, there's Medicare sub policies, but by and large, I mean, you know, everyone's going to need medical coverage. And at 65, as a general rule, just about everybody's on Medicare. So, I mean, you have to budget for it. I mean, I budget six to $900 per taxpayer for health insurance. And a lot of people are upset that they have to pay that. But the reality of it is, for most of them, their employer paid it all their career. And it's really just, you know, a part of the retirement package. You got to take care of your health situation. What else do I want to say about health care is that probably over and above the most important thing about, you know, planning for the long term is, you know, is there any long term care coverage? I find out that just about everybody wants long term care but hardly anyone wants to pay for it. And we have these like traditional long-term care policies that you're paying X amount of dollars per year. And if you never need long-term care, you just had an expense of what, three, $4,000 a year for 20 years, it's money out the door. Today, insurance companies are being a little bit more, they're being more receptive to having people get long-term care coverage. And they're doing that by maybe having an annuity product that might leverage that annuity contract to be two or three times the benefit. So for instance, if I have a $100,000 annuity and it has a long-term care rider, if I need it long-term care, I might be able to get two to $300,000 with the long-term care from that $100,000 annuity contract. Or there might be a life insurance contract that in the past I would buy life insurance perhaps for my kids, for my grandkids, for my surviving spouse. But now there's life insurance contracts that actually have long term care riders. So if I had a three or five hundred thousand dollar death benefit, I could access that death benefit while I'm alive for long term care. So that's really, I guess, where a lot of the planning is headed is, look, you know, everything's fine. You're going to have enough money. Uh, you're not going to run out of money at 3% inflation and making four and a half, five percent rate of return. However, if there's a long-term care need, that's the leak in the dike. So when I do plans, I really do my best to see if we can perhaps create a long-term care solution. And if the client, for whatever reason, doesn't want it or feels that they can't afford it, I have them sign off saying, hey, Charles did a plan for me. And uh, he mentioned long-term care. However, at the present time, you know, it's something that I'm not open to pursue because I really think as a planner, that's going to be um, something that is going to come back and haunt a lot of us if we concentrate our efforts on doubling and tripling people's money. But if they don't have long-term care and they need to take those assets to pay for long-term care and they don't go back to the family upon the client's demise, we're going to look like we didn't do our job to the best of our ability. Last but not least, let me throw in this into our conversation, and that would be fees and commissions, or maybe more simply, costs of a financial plan. Whether you think you're paying too much for your financial plan or uh, you know for your investments, or some people think they're not paying anything for their investments, but there's a cost to everything, Charles. It all comes down to value. What do you have to say about fees and commissions as one of these retirement constants that affect everybody? Well, Walter, my background as a CPA, I've always focused on fees. And I know a lot of clients do that also. But with that said, I mean, there's really two components of fees that I look at. Number one, what are the internal costs? What does it cost you to hold that security? So if I have a mutual fund, I think the average mutual fund expense ratio today is 0.75%. 
So that means that, you know, a lot of people that have average mutual funds are paying three quarters of 1% without an advisor. Uh, a good advisor will cost a minimum of a half a point and maybe a maximum of one point. So what I try to do in my practice is I try to like put myself on the other side of the table and say, look, I want to provide value, but I want to do it at a reasonable cost. So if I can manage a portfolio and have the internal and external costs be 1.5% or less, I know that A, you know, I'm a value to my client in terms of fees and B, you know, I have the freedom to give them whatever advice I need to give them and, you know, to justify that fee and to put them in a much better position for the future. Well, these are all really important concepts. That's why we talk about them here on Reengineering Your Finances. Hope that leaves you with some wisdom and some things to think about if you don't have a plan in place that's accounting for inflation, like some of the examples we gave earlier on, or rising taxes or market volatility. You don't know how to handle that in your plan. You don't have a written plan to begin with. That's something Charles has talked about before, not seeing anything <laughs> written down or any formal plan. And that should be a red flag that something needs to be done to improve your situation. Make sure healthcare and fees and commissions are all discussed when it comes to your plan that you know what's in there. That's the best way to plan for retirement is to have that written plan and be educated on why you're invested in, what you're invested in, that you're saving money on taxes, lowering fees, or at least getting the best value for what you're spending. That's really important to uh, consider the whole picture, of course. If you want to get in touch with Charles Weldy, there's a couple of easy ways to do it. If you want to talk about your own financial situation with him, you can call 610-388-7705. That's 610-388-7705. And you can also find Charles online at cpweldygroup.com. That's cpweldygroup.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app. Just look for Reengineering Your Finances, and you'll find us on all the major podcasting apps out there. If you want to uh, get that phone number or uh, see that uh, website address, if you didn't have the chance to log it in your memory, just check the description of today's show. We've put both pieces of information in there for you. Charles, thanks for all the help, and we'll look forward to another great show with you next time. Thank you, Walter. Have a great day. You do as well. That's Charles Weldy. I'm Walter Storholt. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next time, right back here on Reengineering Your Finances. Financial planning and advisory services are offered through Prosperity Capital Advisors, PCA, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Registration as an investment advisor does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The CP Weldy Group and PCA are separate, non-affiliated entities. PCA does not provide tax or legal advice.